Warning! The following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do... Up yours! That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Did you know the Untitled Wrestling Podcast is on all of the social media outlets? Give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, or even a review if you're feeling generous. Facebook and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Twitter, Twitch, and Discord at Untitled Rest Pod. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Wrestling Podcast. It is Tuesday. You know what that means. It's me, your boy, Big Tasty, joined by Jay. How's it going, Jay? I'm, I'm melting. I mean, yeah, it is, it, is this, it is hot Tuesday. If you're listening to us on Jack's radio, and if you're not, frankly, you should be, we will have been played in to this moment by the wonderful hot, hot heat with bandages, which is very apt for uh oh, today. That's an act. <laughs> uh, so we're going to try. We're going to try something a little bit different today. We're going to because um, like we're a little bit reduced in terms of who's around. We're going to be doing a news podcast, but also give you um, a sort of slightly more in-depth AEW sort of dive because obviously me and Jay normally handle that ourselves um, we're being roped into the news business so yeah so what we're going to do we're going to give you the WWE news a little bit of a recap then we'll go into some AEW and then we'll finish off with some stuff from the rest of the world how does that sound Jay? sound alright? sounds good uh, also apologies for any listeners if you can hear um, we, we tried our very best to disguise them but there are lots of fans happening around us at the moment because as it is like as you put it Jay the heat death of the universe is currently happening so yeah. So we do. We, yeah, we have tried our very best yeah. to, to be as professional as possible here, but the human body can only sustain so much. It's currently. It's my computer is saying it is thirty-two degrees outside. Um, that is hotter than NXT two point oh would is trying to be. Oh, oh God! It's a hot mess. <laughs> it is a hot mess. I am the definition of a hot oh, mess yeah, right it's now. Not hot. Um. Right, should we go? Get into it then. Yeah, go straight in for the, some WWE news. Jay, do you want to do you want to bang us off with some news? Yeah. So NXT 2.0 was a good kind of segue there because uh, Andrew Zarian reported that WWE was set to turn Raw to TV 14 on July the 18th, then back backtracked saying USA had sent a memo prematurely. Uh, Fightful Select added it looked like WWE Raw could be moved from TV PG to TV 14, which would end the PG era. WWE Raw that has lasted since July the 22nd, 2008. Andrew Zarian reported the memo went out with, within the USA Network this morning that briefed the change for July the 18th. However, Zarian says that the note was sent out prematurely and that date has not been finalised yet. Fightful Select can confirm that there were conflicting messages internally at USA Network about the change. Um, those that, that they made contact with at WWE hadn't heard of any change yet, but we're looking into the move. For those expecting a significant content adjustment might end up being disappointed. While NXT has racier content regularly, it's still rated for TVPG. And the content that airs is still up to the creator itself. Unlike the MPAA for movies or the ESRB for video games, cable television shows aren't required to meet a certain standard in order to retain TVPG status or move to TV14 status. For instance, WWE could have very well self-rated Raw at TVPG during the Attitude Era with, with no oversight uh, ramifications. 
However, input from the network and sponsors about the content is always taken into effect. As of now, WWE Raw is still a TV PG for July the 18th. I didn't check whether it actually was last night. Realized. Uh, thus far, we haven't heard of a specific edict or uh, direct change as it pertains to WWE's programming and the way it's conducted. We'll let you know if that changes. So this is interesting because, well, as you say, it's been it's been officially PG TV since 2008, which is quite a while. Last 14 years, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, for anyone who wants a bit of insight on this, uh, Cultaholic put a really good video up um, about, like, it, it's called, like, The Truth About the PG or WWE. It's about, I think it's about 10, 12 minutes long. And it just kind of summarizes the whole thing. And, like, a lot of it, they think, is down. So WWE changed their marks and strategy with, like, the, the rating when um, WCW were killing them, the ratings. Now, there's a lot of speculation that the reason they're changing at this time is because AEW are getting close to, like, meeting them in the ratings sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, like, obviously, you mentioned in that article there about the sponsors are very important, obviously, and I know a lot of how modern WWE operates and how they make their money is through tie-ins and sponsorships and, and sort of big money yeah. deals they get from, from big companies. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how any sort of raise in the sort of, shall we say, sexiness or violence levels of the, of the content is met with from the sponsorship side, when you've got, like, Mattel or whether you've got, like, um, you know, other, like, sort of kid-friendly companies wanting to be associated with a, a racier product. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, you've just, you've just got to look at, uh, for, like, uh, the impact sponsors take, for example, when uh, WWE tried to call that Battle Royal a fabulous Moolah Battle Royal. Yeah, the backlash there was, was big, wasn't it? <laughs> Everyone kicked off to the point that Snickers turned around and said, "If you want to put our name on this like battle royal, you're going to have to take take her name up." Yeah, I mean, Mattel aren't rushing out. Happy about it. Mattel aren't rushing out the Cody Rhodes torn bicep action figure anytime soon, are they? Oh, they absolutely are. <laughs> they hundred percent are. Yeah, you see the chase figure, the, the, the rare one. So, yeah, that's interesting. It, I mean, so, either that, it, it's either going to be that or kids are going to be stealing the parents' sharpies and just drawing it on anyway. So, yeah, so this is, this is an interesting story, but then there's, there's, it's also sort of like a whole lot of nothing in a way as well because nothing's been nothing's been confirmed, nothing's been acted on. And again, it doesn't, yeah, as, you said, yeah. as, you, as you said at the end of the article, it doesn't even matter because they can just self-identify whatever level of TV they want, really. Yeah, I, I think that the key, the key kind of like thing to go off that is that it's the discussions being had which as I say that was kind of like a sort of um, knee-jerk reaction for WWE when WCW were kicking their asses in the ratings so it's interesting that they're doing it now when as we say AEW are kind of like creeping up there and Raw and Smackdown are creeping down closer to that line as well yeah, so what you're saying is basically blood and guts are back on the menu. Oh, Cody Rhodes has probably fucking got it in his contract. I mean, 
the, the reason his arm went black, mate, is because he couldn't blood left for like six months. Yeah, so he's probably gigging as we speak, just in like preparation. Uh, right, moving on then, we'll, we'll have another story. Um, speaking of people, for people who might be happy with something, people who are definitely unhappy with something. So back then, Fightful Select uh, revealed that a lot of the women's roster are unhappy with the way they've been used. Uh, quote is, Fightful had learned of several female talents that were frustrated with their utilization on the program from the bottom of the card all the way up to the top. However, we're told that several of those were waiting to, quote, see where the chips fell until they took it to the higher-ups. Among those chips falling were the returns of Asuka and Lacey Evans, as well as Charlotte Flair taking time off. Uh, with none of that fact and fact of the SmackDown of this foreseeable future at the time, we're told that Creative was able to implement more women into the program on a regular basis, starting with the May 30th episode of WWE SmackDown. Since then, we've seen more integration of a wider variety of female performers, albeit with varying creative satisfaction. This was accelerated when Naomi and Sasha Banks left, which left a huge gap on the shows. Though not necessarily the source material for the article, Alexa Bliss, Shotzi, Aliyah, Zia Lee, Dewdrop, and Nikki Ash have not been used in the weeks leading up to and following WrestleMania, which surprised many. Yeah. I mean, is this sort of related to the fact that the women's tag team titles have seemingly disappeared into thin air as well? Well, um, that, that was down to obviously Sasha and Naomi walking out. Um, and I mean, literally, with even with that, with like that women's tag title match. Uh, mania, um, it it literally got thrown onto the card. Um, like you're talking the go home roar, I believe. Does the fact that they haven't done anything with those titles since they were vacated not prove yeah, that point? They made that's the thing. Like they made out like, oh yeah, Sasha and Naomi let us all down. Um, we're gonna strip them of the titles and have a new tournament, and then no plans have been put in place for that. Crickets. Fucking crickets. Yeah. I mean, they're having, they're having uh, women's tag matches on TV, but like, they just don't want to have them for the belts for some reason. It just boggles the mind. Yeah. Um, there, there, is a, there is a quote here as well at the bottom of the fight building that you, you never said, which is, is intriguing where it says one of the same source that originally reached out for this story said that it felt like Vince McMahon was more concerned with squeezing himself on television after the Wall Street Journal story than actually making sure women, uh, female talent was booked on and protected on the show. Did you see what happened last night on Raw? The Titus thing? Yeah, they sent Titus out to say that WB is a safe space. I mean... Yeah, let, let's just get like the fucking guy that everyone kind of respects for being like a really wholesome and nice fella to just like gaslight the crowd. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's no but cover like ups here. Talk. There's, there's nothing, nothing weird going on. It's fine. Don't, don't you worry about it. V- Vince is getting more and more like a fucking evil villain from like a Bond film, isn't he? Yeah. Um, well, we'll keep it with Sasha. so tight. Titus looked genuinely uncomfortable when he was put, cutting the whole bit. Not as, uncomfortable as, when they sta- not as uncomfortable as when they made him stand next to Hulk Hogan at Mania, but... No, no, that's true. Yeah, that man, that man needs to get paid. He's done some rough shit for this company in the last couple of years. Remember when he got fucking suspended for, like, two months? Which is, like... <laughs> the, the, is like the, 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 the final straw. 
Yeah, that's the final straw suspension. And yeah, when Vince, Vince, when Vince touches someone, he just bungs him three million. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, right, should yeah, we move on I to our, our final bit of news for WWE, uh, which also um, concerns Sasha Banks? Yeah. Um, Mercedes Vernado, aka Sasha Banks, is hitting the sign circuit as a com- and is commanding a high, high price. Uh, she was announced for C2E2, which is the Chicago Comic Con, I believe, um, or the Chicago equivalent of it, rather. Appearance um, was announced on that. Uh, that was announced on Wednesday. Uh, Fightful heard from several promoters, um, in and outside of wrestling, that have expressed an interest in booking Mercedes. Specifically, uh, they know of at least two wrestling promoters and inquired about it. One of which confirmed to Fightful that Mercedes' team left them know she was wasn't taking any pro wrestling related signings until the first of January 2023. Um, they were told that Bernardo's asking price was thirty grand. So good luck with that one. If you US want to book dollars. A free book. Yeah, good luck for that one if you want to book it for your kid's birthday party. Um, based on the opportunity, um, which promoter said was exactly as expected. Elaborating that the man should be high because she left on her own terms, uh, hasn't been part of the convention scene and has a fan base willing to support it. It was mentioned that she was one of the most just off TV talent they've been quoted a price for and that it was comparable to Sting. The only talent they told um, fight for the more expensive were Flair, Goldberg, Shawn Michaels and Hogan. Um, the same promoter said they were more than happy to book her at, a, at that rate and they know that they'd make the money back on it. WWE have still not officially confirmed their release, but another promoter said they wouldn't have even made it as far as, as far into a conversation about booking it as they did if she was fully with the company. I mean, yeah, that, that's the, the sort of first takeaway from this is that everything in this article, everything in this, all the language here basically makes it sound as though she is fully done. Like, talking about she knows she's going to be available for wrestling-related signings post-January, it makes you think maybe there's some sort of... Um, sort of um, like release I, clause in place or something like that so I remember read, uh, reading a couple of weeks ago there was a lot of like kind of disputes that about how long like Sasha and Naomi had left on the deals and all the such stuff uh, I do I do recall um, I think with Melter or maybe Raj Giri saying um that she didn't have long left on a contract regardless. Um, obviously, 1st of January 2023 would indicate that maybe that's when a contract expires. Yeah, that's, that's a good But if... I know she's already had, like, a lawyer involved with, like, some stuff from, like, things that have been kind of coming out. Maybe um, she's kind of come to an agreement and just said, look, well... Let me do non-wrestler-based appearances based on like the Mandalorian and other stuff that she might be involved in, and then I'll be out. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes really good sense. Uh, right then, we'll move on to a very brief run rundown of what happened on last week's Raw and SmackDown. Not last night, because none of us have seen it yet. Um, so the I think the big news from Raw was Brock Lesnar came back. Yeah, even back in a couple of weeks. Well, yeah. Um, what he was challenged, what he was confronted, wasn't he, by theory? 
and basically theory said yeah basically whatever whenever you're in rome and beat the crap out of each other i'm gonna just cash in after that which is fair Paul Heyman, throughout the show, Paul Heyman was trying to like go to him, but was he and said like, "Oh, but what if you like, if you like declared, like when you were going to cash in and we could promote it as a big match, it'd be more money." He's basically trying to go Austin's or Theory G go into basically committing to a match in advance so that Rowan doesn't have to wrestle Reigns and then Theory afterwards potentially, uh, which is yeah, was kind of smart. Uh, Finn Balor defeated Rey Mysterio. Good to see Finn getting a win. They, there was a, a, a story a while back that they only really considered him like enhancement talent, so it's good to see him sort of getting a fairly high-profile win here. Yeah, they're, um, they've, they've had Finn replace uh, Edge in the Judgment Day. Obviously, yeah. Edge has had the spooky room uh, coming up. Um, it would indicate that we might be getting either, either Edge and... Ray versus the Judgment Day or Edge versus Balor. Yeah. SummerSlam. Um, um, also, one thing of note as well is there's been a lot of teasing of Dominic Mysterio joining um, the Judgment Day. And next week, they've announced um, is Ray Mysterio's 20th anniversary in WWE special at Madison Square Garden, which seems very much like them kind of projecting like they did with the Festival of Friendship. Oh, fair. Um, next up, AJ Styles and Ezekiel. Oh, no, sorry. Carmella defeated Bianca Bella via countouts in a women's title match. Obviously, didn't win the title. I got none for that. Yeah. Um, AJ Styles and Ezekiel defeated the Miz and Champa via stupid DQ because basically what happened? Do you see what happened in this? No. So Champa came in as like not the legal man and just started punching. I think it was Ezekiel or AJ. It was one of them, and he would, he didn't stop. So the referee just DQ'd them. Once again, WWE is terrible. Terrible time. You know, terrible, it'd terrible you know it'd be nice if they give us AJ versus Champa at like Summer's Love. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually watch it. That'd be neither of them would do it. Else, why just fucking do it? Uh, Alexa Bliss and Asuka beat Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. I think it was like a 30 second squash. Well, it, was, it, was, it wasn't long. It, it, was, it was a bit of a nothing match, really. Um, again, going back to that earlier story, nothing really going on for Nikki Ash and Dewdrop at the moment. Uh, the Usos and Omos defeated the Street Profits and R Truth. Um, this is basically just a worryingly. Yeah. This is basically just a showcase for Omos. He got a lot of the action, uh, got a lot of the attention. So they're still pushing him. Yeah, I think the the thing is, which is um, it's pretty interesting. I was reading something today about um, it was literally before this actually about uh, Paul White saying um. He's been kind of working with Satnam Singh and there shouldn't be any pressure on anybody to be the next giant, which is like the absolute like opposite of the way WWE kind of present Namas. I was going to say, someone that, told, somebody told Vince that. Like literally the Undertaker said he's the next Andre. And it, it was like, oh yeah, you don't want to put Well, there's, there's a kiss of death right there, isn't it? Chris? Yeah, you don't want to put that label on him that fucking early into his career. Uh, right, in the main event, Bobby Lashley and Riddle defeated Seth Rollins and Theory. 
Uh, Dolph Ziggler came out for some reason. Looks like he's starting off into a program with Theory. Yeah, a little face turn. He pushed, uh, he, pushed, he pushed Theory's feet off the ropes when he was trying to leverage them. And then um, Theory took the pin in this as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, an RKO from Riddle. It, it, it turns out that Dolph Ziggler is for the kids. Dolph Ziggler is all about, well, not in the way the Theory is, but you know. No, no, no. Really better. Um, there's no Troy here I can say it it's fine <laughs> we'll move swiftly on to Smackdown uh, open and promo again this time it was um, the returning Pat McAfee who missed last week he was called out by Baron Corbin well just Corbin he is now he? Uh, he was called out by Corbin nice uh, nice, nice monkeypox reference from Corbin keeping it topical yeah and yeah obviously they're, they're, they're working their way towards probably a match at SummerSlam you'd think um, yeah, they've, they've already announced it. Fair. But I, funnily enough, actually, I spoke to Troy about this last week on the uh, news podcast. The, the only thing I'm really looking forward to on SummerSlam at the moment is Pat McAfee's entrance because it was fucking killer last Yeah, well, it, was, it was good at me. Yeah. Um, right, first match of the show Liv Morgan defeated Natalia in a non title match. I mean, Natalia knows how to finish it. <laughs> well, they, they they referenced it, didn't they? Because um, this was something that happened the week before. But now I think Liv Liv won quite convincingly this time. Good to see Liv because getting getting the reps in, getting getting put on TV is nice. You know, they're, they're I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go and out and say they're making they're booking her strongest champion, but at least they're putting her on telly and letting her do stuff. Uh, they're gonna have Ronda Rousey shoot murderer. That's oh, all mate. Oh God, no. R- r- remember Rock vs Kofi. I'm yeah. Uh, I, I can't. I, I can't actually believe what I'm about to read here. So the new day came out mocking the Viking Raiders, and then as the Viking Raiders came out to attack them, they were cut off by Shanky and Jinder Mahal. And then they all dance at the end, except for Jinder, who looks a bit like he's too cool for school and doesn't bother. Yeah. Shanky's gimmick at this point is literally just Carly 2.0. Right. Where it's, they've got like a giant Indian fella and they're like, he likes to dance. Although he's a lot more mobile than Carly. Not that it's hard. Like, I'm more mobile than Carly. A statue is more mobile than Carly at this point, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, right. And next up, we did, had. Did you see the great Carly was involved in ro- a road race? Yes. He, by um, the way, so apparently someone. He slapped this chin. Apparently, apparently someone someone would let him through a toll booth because he wouldn't take a selfie with him. And then, yeah. so he got out and just like literally physically moved the barrier because he's like nine foot tall. And then yeah, he got like arrested or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I don't know whether he got arrested. I know he got like he got the police involved and he said yeah, yeah they would. Because the thing is, Carly works for the Indian police. Oh right, I know he's he's a top union guy as well, isn't he? He's trying to unionize the workers. That's why they don't. That's why that's why W won't book him anymore. He's, he's unionized now. He's just no, he can't. Uh, right, we had Drew McIntyre defeating Ridge Holland. This was another bait and switch, wasn't it? It was supposed to be Sheamus, and then it was just Ridge Holland for some reason. Uh, this was the second match of the show, and it started at the start of the second hour. Very bad. That's just upsetting. Um. So yeah, again, nothing to report. Butch was there. Yay. Um, next up, Mag- next up, Madcap Moss defeated Theory by DQ because Theory wanged with a briefcase. Yay! 
and in the main event, Angela Dawkins defeated Jimmy Uso. This is all right. This is the, the TV main event, SmackDown main event. Went for seven minutes. Fucking hell, really? Seven minutes. Um, That's uh, Angela, Angela Dawkins defeated Jimmy Uso right with a power bomb. Uh, Jimmy's shoulder was up at three, but the referee didn't see it because apparently all the refs at WWE are now blind. Um, and then Jeff Jarrett was announced as a special guest referee for the, title, the tag team match at SummerSlam. Because the only thing to do when referees make mistakes is bring in somebody with even less refereeing experience for the big match. Yeah, but the key thing here is that Jeff Jarrett, they saw about the shoulders being up properly. Jeff Jarrett has the best kick out in wrestling. True. And he's got the stroke, baby. He's got the stroke. And he's absolutely going to fucking hit Heyman with the guitar, isn't he? Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you reckon this is where Street Profits win the belts are? Nah, I think the well, the Usos have held the SmackDown tag titles for a year now. Um, that makes me all kinds of sad because the Usos should be doing well more with the belts than they are. Yeah. the the prob The problem is is that the all the titles in WWE at the moment it feels like there's a monopoly on them. Well, yeah, because they're, li- they're literally all on three people. Yeah, but not like. Not, not in a way where, like, like when they did um, in AW, when they had like Kenny had the world title and all his belts, and then the books had the tag titles, or or Evolution when they did that. Yeah. But at least when they were all holding the belts, they were doing like exciting things with them, like yeah, not just like carrying them around. Those, yeah, like fair enough. Kenny was working a very limited schedule because he was injured. But he was still like when he was wrestling. He was defending he was the title on, on TV. Yeah. And he was he was there week in, week out cutting promos, whereas Roman isn't really there anymore. Comes here every now and again. Um whereas you look at you look at like other like times they've done that, at least at least they've all kind of as I said, they've all had a presence. There's all been like a kind of goal. Even when Evolution had all the belts, he had Flair and Batista as the tag type champions. They were still like, they were still had like a, a kind of story and an end goal in sight. Whereas this, it feels like they've gone, oh yeah, we'll do this. We'll make Roman like the, and the Bloodline the most dominant faction in wrestling. They've, they've got them to that point. Now they're like, okay, what do we do now? Whereas I think if they had done this with, for example, the New Day, I feel like they would have been able to get a bit more kind of like good, like goodwill and longevity out of it because everyone loves the New Day. Yeah, and that's not to say everyone doesn't love the Bloodline because I think the Bloodline are one of, oh, sorry, were one of the best things WWE have done in years until it kind of ran its course, and now we're at the point we're at where. You've got Roman, like the fucking mad titan with all the fucking Infinity Stones just looking out on his land. Right. Well, um, we'll put it there for WWE news and recaps. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll pop back with your AEW segment. Um, if you're listening on Jack's radio, and quite frankly, if you're not, why not? We'll have some lovely music for you. We'll have a bit of Coheed and Cambria and a bit of Weezer. 
And we're back. It is time to move on to some AEW news and reviews. Jay, do you want to hit us with the first bit of AEW news? Yeah, so um, a little bit of some injury updates, Royale. Uh, AW Santana is on the shelf. Fightful Select gave an update. Um, a proud and powerful member was sidelined at Blood and Guts uh, at the Blood and Guts event. And as he went down during the match and was taken away for medical attention. Since then, details have been few and far between. AEW sources indicate last week that Santana had sustained an ACL injury, which he told several people uh, the Fightful spoke to. He had indeed sustained an ACL injury. He was at, at an event in Puerto Rico this weekend to relinquish the title and was seen on crutches. In addition, Fightful um, would talk. Oh, yeah, Bible told that he let a few people know that he not had surgery yet. Uh, none of this information has been confirmed by AW, though they did reach out to both. And um, as of now, they're told there's no plans to stop using Ortiz that anyone in AW has heard about. As previously reported uh, by multiple sources, Santana and Ortiz have not been on great terms recently and haven't competed in a two-on-two match in months, uh, I believe since February. Um, Santana was also accepting bookings as a solo for quite a while before the injury. AW sources expecting to miss eight to 12 months. Um, also, another little quick injury update on the AEW champion CM Punk. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave an update saying uh, Punk should not be long before, you know, this Meltzer's quote, Punk should not be long before he returns. I mean, not this month, probably not August. Perhaps all out, perhaps full gear. I think it'll be one of those shows when he's back. All out is the fourth of September, isn't it? Yes. I mean, there's always a chance he might come out at the end of all out, maybe, and sort of challenge or stare down whoever wins whatever title match they're going to do there. I mean, it is in Chicago. Yeah. Um, so you know, you, you think you'd wheel him out regardless, though, wouldn't you? The Pepsi man is from there. Yeah, I, I think I I think it makes the most. I mean. One thing I did notice on Dynamite this week during Mark's first Akashta was when uh, Excalibur referred to um, Mox as the interim AEW world champion. Yeah. And William Regal very quickly corrected him. No, no, he's the AEW world champion. Do you see any other champions? <laughs> and uh, for me, I feel like that's them kind of like sowing the seeds. To kind of go, Punk's coming back soon. Yeah, going back to the Santana stuff. Uh, obviously, it sucks that he's injured. We all saw it. it looked It looked horrible when it happened. Um, yeah, a couple of interesting things Santana's put on his social media regarding this. So, first of all, he's been tweeting just numbers of days, hasn't he? Like, which many speculate is counting down at the end of his contract, maybe. Yeah, and he also, after all this news sort of started circulating, he literally just put, "I'll speak soon." So it looks like he's going to have something to say regardless on a his injury status, his status as part of Proud and Powerful, his status with AEW. Hopefully this will all become, he'll clarify all of this hopefully in, in the next sort of days or weeks. Yeah, I did, I did like the fact that um, when it was announced that he was, was injured, um, AEW quite quick to come out and say, regardless of like whatever the situation is, obviously I'm, I, you'd assume alluding to a contract situation there um, that they're going to kind of support them throughout the whole rehabilitation process so oh yeah 
where that means they kind of like give him an extension to the end of his kind of rehabilitation. What this does mean, however, is my prediction of Proud and Powerful being tag team champions at the end of the year is now officially in the toilet. Yes. That ain't going to be happening. Uh, right then, stick, sticking uh, sticking with tag teams and a little bit of a spoiler for the Dynamite recap we're about to do. Uh, Dave Meltzer has reported that the tag team titles match on this week's Dynamite was used to elevate Team Taz and Swerve in our glory to the Young Bucks, Lucha Bros and FTR's level. Basically, the idea was to elevate these two teams to create what they're calling a big five inside the tag team division. Um, yeah. especially, especially now that Santana Ortiz are out, the Hardys are out, Lucha Boy and um, Lucha Source and Jungle Boy have split up. So if this is like the new tag team core, basically, they've wanted to build. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I was a bit kind of with the two teams that were getting at this with like Swerve and Our Glory and um, Team Taz. I was kind of reluctant about it because I think I, re- I prefer all four of those guys as signals guys. That being said, you, like the tag matches that have been involved in the recent ones, you can't. I was going to say you, you say you say that, but then what about that bit where Swerve does a moonsault off Keith Lee's chest? Yeah, and just the the bit where uh, Hobbs gets um, people up on his shoulders and Ricky Starks was like an old school while yeah. dance sort of. So, um, um, so yeah, it's it, it's at least it's good to see that obviously AW recognised that one of their biggest strengths is and always has been their tag division. Obviously, don't forget we've also got Red Dragon out currently as well. Um, yeah. You know, so it's it's there's a it, it, they, they, they need they, they're realising the need to keep pumping talent into that division, which is great, and it means that people like Keith Lee and Swerve, who would otherwise be maybe a little bit lost in the shuffle, are getting a chance to main event shows with titles. You know, yeah. I think it, it justifies, like, it's justifiable with Swerve and Keith Lee because they've obviously kind of signed, like, signed big deals. They've been brought in with a lot of fanfare. And, of, like, I, I remember him, I think it was the same thing, like, quote from Melter, where he was, he said, like, they were brought in as singles guys, but they used to have, like, kind of this undeniable chemistry as a tag team. So they decided to kind of keep them as a tag team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, that's two of the two of my favorite wrestlers on the AW roster. It means it means we get more banging tag team matches. So um, I, I love banging tag team matches. Um, so yeah, that's great. Uh, right, one, you, know one, else, you know what else we do need though? Um, off the like kind of back of that of that tag team title match, Swear versus Nick Jackson in the singles match, please. Yes, literally. As I was, well, well like we need Swervey, Nick Jackson. We also need more. I know it's already happened, but Swervey, Ricky Starks again, please. Yeah, their chemistry is off the fucking shelf. It's insanity. We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to the actual match recap. But yeah, definitely, that was there was some insane shit going on in that match. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's more all all of that, please. Um, right, one final bit of news. We'll push the ring of honor news down to the final section. We'll just do strictly AW here. Uh, one final bit of news: Jay regarding AQA. Yes, uh, let me just get close up. Um, so, AQA has announced that she is taking an indefinite leave of absence from wrestling, um, which is really sad for you because she's awesome. Um, she put a statement on Twitter yesterday, uh, at the time of recording this Monday, uh, saying, I want to, take to, want to take this time to say thank you to anyone who's ever cheered for me, supported me, bought merch, have me on your podcast or write an article about me. 
those who sent loving messages, made fan art, gave me a hug during a meet and greet or a high five on the way to, to and from the ring. Promoters who bought me opponents to stood across the ring from me and my trainers for teaching me everything I know. I wouldn't have made it this far without all of you. At this time, I've decided to step away from professional wrestling for the immediate future. For the past few years, both mentally and physically, I have not been in a great place with wrestling. And silly me, I kept pushing through because I didn't want to be seen as weak. It only sucked the fun out of every opportunity I had. I hope during this time I'll be able to reflect deeply and see what path is best for me. Thank you, for uh, AW, for granting me this time. Until I see you all again, much love. Um, Obviously, that sucks because she's awesome. Like you said, one of the best shooting star presses I've seen in the last like five, ten years, easy. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's important that she does what's right for her. She, if she, if she's not, absolutely. if she's not in a good place to do it, then stepping away is the right thing to do. Then absolutely, it's what she should be doing. One hundred percent behind her. Obviously, we wish her all the best. You know, if she does want to come back at some point, brilliant. The wrestling world will still be here for her when she's ready to come back. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This is a real shame. Um, but you know, uh, as you say, do what's best for you. Yeah. Um, it feels like someone who we only kind of saw like the tip of the iceberg with both in NXT and AEW. Yeah, well, um, you know, they say always leave one more, don't they? And uh, you know, she she can come back and uh, and blow her socks off down the line if she feels so inclined. That'd be that'd be great. Be all over that. Yeah. Uh, right then, should we move on to some recaps? We'll start with Let's Dynamite. Do it. Uh, so Dynamite kicks off this week with Wardlow versus Orange Cassidy in a TNT title match. Uh, really fun match. So one thing I noticed, we'll get, well, well, so we'll get a bit more in depth with the AW stuff. One thing I noticed about this match, which really popped me, was they didn't actually do a move on each other for like the first sort of four or five minutes. Yeah, there was a lot of kind of Orange Cassidy doing Orange Cassidy things. Ward, uh, I like the fact that Wardlow kind of led into that a bit more. Um, also, before the match, the best friends said that their lawyer, Dan Housen, had um, acquired manager's licenses for them. Very nice, and, very legal. And very nice, very legal. And they were uh, they were going to cheat, which, yep. uh, have you seen BC this week yet? Yes. Oh, oh, God, Chuck Taylor doing the fucking Lord's work. Chuck Taylor, so he pulls a chainsaw out from under the ring, and then Bryce Remsburg just like he's like, "What? That's a fucking chainsaw! No, get out!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then to which Chuck Taylor on BT he said he couldn't believe it. He went to Bryce Remsburg wedding, and he won't even let him cut a man up on live TV. I love the fact that Chuck Taylor like live tweeting Dynamite last week was one of the funniest <laughs> things. Where he he like straight after that match, he put Bryce Remsburg's dead to me, <laughs> and then later on the show, John Silver called him. The House of Black spooky pivots. Yeah. <laughs> but John Silver is dead too. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is a really fun match. Um big some big moments. So um eventually after a lot of, a fair bit of trying, Orange Cassidy hits a beach break on Wardlow, which was impressive. Orange Cassidy hit everything he had on Wardlow and yeah. like, didn't even like put a chink in Wardlow's armor. As as Chuck Taylor said on BTE, Wardlow is six foot eight and five hundred pounds, just gonna tear Orange Cassidy in half if we don't cheat. Yeah, yeah, I, I loved on DC as well when they were swimming out glory walk past. And, uh, <laughs> and Chuck's was like, We're looking for weapons. You got any weapons? Like, he like swims, like, He's my weapon. Yeah. And then he's just flexing, and then he just goes, 
and Scott just goes, oh, can you kill Wardlow for us? And Keedley's like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, like, Cassidy's throwing everything he has at Wardlow. Obviously, it's not quite enough. Um, Wardlow's trying to catch up for a powerbomb. Like, and he's, he's, he, it's, a, it's a really good match, really good back and forth. Um, but both both men come out of it looking really good. Um, Cassidy, yeah. Cassidy does that thing. He does every now and then where he just takes it up to that next level. And you get that intensity sort of starts to come through, which is really cool. Uh, the finish is really fun as well. So it comes at the end. Uh, Cassidy's going for another orange punch. And as he jumps up, Wardlow literally just scoops him out of the air and powerbombs him. Yeah. Also, Cassidy kicked out of the F10. No yes. Else. Yeah, the first. I think that's the first time anyone's ever done that, which is which yeah. is awesome. So yeah, both both guys looked really cool. Um, nice little fist uh, bump after the match as well. A little sign of respect. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, it was it was it was really good fun. Really, really good opener. Like really got the crowd going. Um, it was really yeah. high energy. Really good fun. Really entertaining. Uh, next up, then I, we a- I feel I feel like AW um, are really trying to kind of like ramp up Orange Cassidy's momentum again. Like. He does seem to be getting like a lot of like with the match between the match with Osprey and this match with Wardlow and his match with Ethan Page the other week. It really does feel like that they're getting back behind him. It's it's interesting because I don't think he's the type of guy that you can push all the time because I think he gets a little bit samey. But the way they do yeah. it, like, the, the way they do it, it's sort of like peaks and troughs. I think it really works for him. Yeah, I, I think um, I'd really like to see him either. I was going to say TNT title, but then obviously he's just lost to the uh, shot at that. Uh, I get the feeling the way they're going is that he's he's probably going to be facing Mox soon. Yeah, I, I mean, he was meant to face Mox. He was meant, that was literally meant to be the match we were going to have the day Mox went to rehab. Yeah, when Mox was supposed to turn Mox, heel. Mox was going to cement, like like fucking Luke Skywalker killing Darth Vader, who's going to cement his heel turn and murdering Orange Cassidy. Uh, right, moving on then. Next, we had a Chris Jericho promo. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice, um, nice Jericho promo where he basically just comes out and says he's a, he's a legend and all this nonsense. Um, he's a living legend. A living legend. Really? He won. He won, his, he won the first bar of YMAC in Canada when he was twenty-two. Oh, and the, the big the big news from this is that next week he's going to be the paymaker again. Yay! Lucky us. Yeah, so we get to see that Jericho back, which is fun. Then Eddie Kingston basically um, after the break is backstage. I like this. He's like, yeah, Chris, Chris Jericho gets five minutes. I get 30 seconds. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Um, he's, he's, he basically says, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna make you bleed. I'm going to enjoy hurting you. Which is like, yeah. You could okay. see, you see the murder in Eddie Kingston's eyes. <laughs> Ruby looked like legitimately concerned <laughs> behind him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hi, Ruby. Eddie King's just going to do bad things. Um, right. I mean, let's talk about let's talk about the main. Well, I mean, it's, it's mad that we're not. This this is only potentially the best match on the show. This show, the wrestling on the show, is off the chain. Uh, John Moxley defeated Kanosuke Takeshita in a championship eliminator match. Oh, this was so good. Which was so yes. right. Moxley's having one of the best years of any wrestler I've known in the past like sort of five or six years. Takeshita's having one of the best years of any wrestler I've known in the past five or six years. And you put them both together, and this match yeah. blew the damn doors off. I feel I feel like Jonathan Gresham's about to get back on that train uh, this week. I mean, he's at, he's he's facing Takeshita, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> and Takeshita. then Claudia. Takeshita's just like a five-star machine at this point, isn't he? He's just going around the country, just like having bankers with everybody. Man, as we keep saying, like 
week in, week out. If you take like some of the best Japanese wrestlers of the last couple of years, like Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and you kind of merge them into one, you'd get to cash there. Yeah, uh, and if anyone is in the UK, obviously UK based, if you listen to this, uh, he is actually in the UK on the 11th, 12th, no, the 13th, and 14th of August. 13th and 14th of August in Sheffield and Newcastle for progress. Um, he's actually, I've apparently put on Twitter, he's actually going back to Japan briefly after that for a couple of weeks and then he's heading back yeah. to the States. He's doing an exploding ring barbed wire death match with Anita. Fair, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, this match was everything. It was, it was, oh my, I can't even try and describe it it had it, if you if you like just stiff shots if you like horrible looking german suplexes if you like blood on the outside just i mean it, what, yeah it, what, what, did, bus, what, what didn't these guys do mox bus to kester open and it was like he'd fucking summoned a demon from like another realm like to kester went into another gear and just started like dumping mox on his fucking head like at every given opportunity yeah, when he, when he saw his own blood, he, he saw red, and he, it was it was on them, wasn't it? It was uh, it was great. Yeah, um, yeah, like it was like so. Mox yeah, Takeshi does that like awesome, like sort of stalling German suplex. He does resort like lifts them up, holds them, and then like takes them over. Oh, I love that. That's so yeah. good. Um, he did the he did the German open, which was just disgusting. Yeah, yeah. There was like blue and the bombs. Um, uh, Takeshi's yeah, knee. So obviously Moxley got the win. Uh, eventually, he locked in the bulldog choke after a death rider and some hammer and elbows. But yeah, I mean, so the, the, the recap. Did he reverse the death rider? Didn't he? Yeah, and he also uh, got to the right side of a bulldog choke as well earlier on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Takeshita might uh, might get a fucking call from um, New Japan soon. Reckon. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather him. I'd rather him stay in AEW because I think the momentum he's building in AEW, it's like kind of slow build, and then he could probably like get into the world title picture eventually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. He took. He took Moxie to the limit here. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. Like a shout for being like all Atlantic champion like soon. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's, 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 he'd be an obvious pick to, to beat. If he beat Pac in Japan for the all Atlantic Championship and then brought him back to AW, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, so yeah, like, so on, uh, the, the recap of this match I've got literally just says, if you don't like that, if you didn't like this match, you basically don't like wrestling, which I think is, is a fair way of uh, fair way of describing it. This, this was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. Please, please, please go and watch one. it. Um, yeah. Next up then, we had a quick House of Black promo setting up a match between Brody and Darby. Happy days, Brody's going to throw Darby to the sun. That'll be lovely. Yeah. And then we had a Christian promo on the Varsity Blondes. Basically just... Christian's got a real thing about dead dads, hasn't he? Which is... Uh... Yeah. And then... It almost feels like a little bit too cheap at times. I, feel, I, think, I think they're going to have to pivot slightly from it now because it's like two weeks in a row now. Like, I mean, they, I like that's right. One thing, a couple of things I did like about this segment. One, they made the um, they made another reference to Griff Garrison looking like Jungle Boy. Yeah, which is a throwback to a, a two-year-old bit from BTA with the Dark Order. What What was interesting with that was uh, 
when he said that, um, Luchasaurus was like something snapped at him. Yeah. Uh, he just like, he like stops dead and he like stops, storms out of the ring and he like proceeds to murder Griff Garrison for the old gods. Yeah, so yeah, Luchasaurus squashes Griff Garrison and then puts um, both of Frosty Blondes to a table. Which is, yeah, fine. Yeah. Right, moving on then. Next up, we had Claudio Castiglioli defeated Jake Hager. Which was yeah. actually a much better match than I thought it was going to be. I didn't, know, I didn't really know what to expect in this match because I'm not a massive Hager fan, but Claudio is pretty awesome, so... Claudio's got chemistry with everyone. He's got really good uh, chemistry um, with uh, Hager anyway from like his matches that he's had with them previously. Yeah, and the, and the one thing I liked about this, obviously, AEW, they're not afraid to reference people's actions in other companies. So they, they, they were freely talking about the fact that Hager and Claudio used to be a tag team together. And they had yes. that sort of chemistry. They, had that, they knew each other that well. Um I think I liked what this as well. Towards the end, like you had um, all the members of the Jericho Appreciation Society came out to try and sort of sway the balance in Hager's favour, and it just didn't matter. Claudio was just too good, and he just won anyway. Yeah, yeah. He hit the, hit the Ricola bomb on Claudio and Jake Hager, which looked awesome. Like that was hitting, a, hitting that on hitting someone that size was impressive. Yeah, proper Ricola bomb as well, not like the full blown like mayor the bomb that he did on it. Yeah. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, it was uh, the, the, the very end as well, especially when, when Claudia was fighting off like all the Jericho Society up to the finish, really made him look super, super strong. Like he basically just won the match by himself. Yeah, I I still think Claudia was going to win the AW Championship at some point. Yeah. I, I, I think it's one of those things like we've, everyone kind of like talked We'll talk about it till the fucking dawn of time. Or since the dawn of time, sorry. That like Claudio in WWE, what what the hell happened? Like, how do you not make that guy a fucking hey, world he had, champion? Yeah, that one WrestleMania match against Seth Rollins when they Jeremiah tricked him to signing a new contract. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, um, that was good. That was banging. But they, they also had the Andre Battle Royal. But that's the thing. They always like, kind of he got excited about it and then. About him, and then just went, nah. Yeah, they just forgot. Like, yeah, no, we don't, we don't, we don't need Claudio. Because um, Big Vince doesn't like foreigners. Yep. Fucking why is he not like? Thing. Why is he not like carrying chocolate down to the ring and like cheese? Did, Swiss rice. Make, make a new Swiss. Yodel, yeah. Um, um, but I, I just, I just think that the way AW portrayed them in the last like kind of three weeks has been. More, more of like a big deal than um, more more of a big deal than WWE ever really did. Oh, yeah, than- and like and when when he is inevitably exposed as a shit house heel, which he will be, because Eddie Kingston's right. Um, oh man, absolutely, he will be an illegitimate contender to the world title. Like I just say, you know, I'd i just a fantasy book something quick. I'd love it if. Eddie beats Punk for the belt, and then Claudio like, like the, later, they, just takes it off. No, if they if they introduce something similar to Money in the Bank, I mean, he, he, I'd have him, I'd have him just win it the next week. I'd have him just challenge him and beat him the next week, and then like, have Eddie I, have a one week title win. 
I'd, 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 I'd do even less. I'd have it so like Claudio wins something like the Casino Battle Royal. Yeah. Um, and then says, I want my title shot right now. Like after Eddie's like literally like barely survived come to like win the title. And he just comes out uppercuts the soul out of Eddie and then fucking Bacola bombs him like into oh. the skilly. Oh, I would cry so much, but it would be awesome. Exactly. And it would be fucking <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> uh, as a, Then you get fucking the rest of BDK out. We all have a good B, time. Then BD, Chris Hero comes out. You get fucking Aries out. It turns us over in the fucking Titan. Back, baby. Uh, right, next up then, we had Serena Deeb defeating Anna Jay. Um, probably, probably Anna Jay's best match in AW. Yeah. I mean, it's no surprise, like, Serena, for, for all the problems that we sometimes have with her on the mic, there's no denying that she can go in the ring. Uh, Serena, the best way to describe Serena Deeb for anyone who hasn't really seen Serena Deeb is that she's kind of like the Bret Hart of, like, women's wrestling. She's not the she best talker. She is the female Dean Malenko. Yeah, yeah. Not the best talker, but one of the best wrestlers. It's Bret Hart had charisma. Like, at least you don't have to say anything. You just stand there. Yeah, like, Bret, Bret Hart had charisma, like, when when he started, like, doing the whole feud with Sean, but that was because he fucking hated Sean. <laughs> so it was, like, a bit of venom behind the words. Dean Malenko was just a wrestle boy who could do the, do the rest of real good. And then WWE tried to send him into, like, Roger Moore. Yeah, oh good. Um, but yeah, this match, this match was fantastic. So Annie J was looking for the Queen's Lair all the time. Um, yeah, Dee kept getting in. It. Yeah, Dee broke it. Uh, she got to the ropes. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a phenomenal match. Uh, back, really good back and forth. And again, like Annie J, she looked like she could. She looked like she was always like a little bit on the back foot, but she looked like she could kind of hang. Yeah, I think Annie J is like one of those people, like a future prospect, don't she? Yeah, and obviously that the injury, the she had that really bad injury, which kind of derailed. She 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 was improving at like a rapid level, wasn't she? And then she had that injury, and then she sort of like leveled off a little bit. And I was like, I started thinking like she had a couple of rough matches when she came back, and I was like, oh, is is, is this like derailed her career now? Is, is she like not going to make it to the like the level that you know, like when a footballer like does their knee and like when they're like nineteen, yeah, they, they like never quite make it to the level you thought. I'm like, oh shit, is she like going to yeah. like stall out here now? And it's just her, it's her ceiling. But she's proved in like a match like this that she knows she's still got plenty. Room to grow, and she can get a lot better. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So I'm really, I'm really happy to see that. Like she's constantly improving. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's really, really, really good. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I can say Serena Deeb is one of those people. It's probably quite easy to have a really good match with. But you know, it takes two to tango. Um, kudos to Anna, and she, she really won the crowd over as well. Like they were, like there was, like um, like the last last Queenslayer when uh, Serena was like really in trouble when she was like struggling to get out of it. The crowd were going nuts for it. Well, it, it was her hometown, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the hometown. Yeah, well, home state. I thought she was Savannah. Is she from Savannah? What's that dog? I know she's, yeah, like she's a Georgia girl. I know she's, she's from, Georgia, yeah. from Georgia. She's from Brunswick, Georgia, which is. Is that like right by. Little, 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 little real time geography lesson for you here. Yeah. So, for anyone who's not aware, Brunswick, Georgia is. It's right on the lake. Yes, they showed. Oh, wait, maybe Savannah is, folks. It's actually, yeah, it's just to the south of Savannah. Yeah. Savannah's cool. also on the lake as well. 
which is actually just cool. north of it's about halfway between Savannah and Jacksonville in Florida, as it so happens. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So when I say lake, I mean of course the sea, it's not a lake at all, it's the sea. I didn't realise Georgia was that coastal. Yeah. Fair enough. We all learned something today on, on Geography Hour. There we go. More of that next week. There um, uh, so there we go. One thing I really like as well, they, they sort of brought something back here. So after the match, they showed Anna getting treatment backstage. And uh, Ty Conte basically just came in and was like, yeah, you should make better choices. Look what look what I'm doing. I'm having a better time. I'm not going to get beaten up. Yeah. I think we'll get the Ty and Anna feud. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that as well, because obviously they're four best friends. Ty's gone all evil. So Anna's got to go and slap some sense back into it now, basically. Yeah. So he's getting corrupted by all the sections having with Sammy Guevara. Yep. Um, like right. fucking Young fucking Bucks versus way. Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs versus Swerving Our Glory. Yeah, boy. Oh, 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 holy hell. What a match. This I mean, was so awesome. This was also, this was excellent in totally different reasons from the way that Moxie versus Takeshita was excellent. Because yeah. this, this match was just like a 20 minute car crash. Yeah, um, the the spot that stuck with me, which was dead early on, which was why I was like, "Yeah, we need to swear versus Nick Jackson," was when like they were doing all the dodging and like Nick Jackson does the whole like backflip off the rope as swear like go off the apron. Sorry, a swerve goes to like kick him, but swerve mid like going for the kick, then does like a roll and a flip like handstand flip and lands on his feet and stares down Nick Jackson outside and it's just like what yeah yeah for, I mean, for me was the MVP of this match he was like on a different level it was incredible it was a bit where he did like a matrix he does a bit where he did like a matrix dodge to like avoid a super kick and like like almost bent backwards to the floor and then like sprung back up which yeah was and incredible. then he did a, like, a match and went straight into a super kick yeah um there was there were so many good spots like Keith Lee um just annihilating everybody, uh powerhouse hobs spine bustering everybody on top of Keith Lee. Yeah. After spine busting um, Keith Lee. Him Hobbs and Lee just having a hoss off in the middle of the ring, like running and shoulder barging each other was phenomenal. There was the bit when the books do that like dive where like Matt like kind of like leans over and like Nick like dives like through his legs. Yeah. And or Nick and a power bonded into Matt, who yeah. was like still like died down. <laughs> um, Bit at the end when uh, the books have the same thing, books went for the melted driver, and Keith Lee just caught Nick out the air with power bonded as well. Yeah, it was. Oh, um, there, was there was so much good stuff, and then like even like all the Hobbs stuff, like you said, um, there was a bit where um, Hobbs got, I think it was Nick up, or was it Swerve into the electric chair, and then Ricky did the old school into Nick. like a springboard cutter. Yeah. Um, there was that really, really good um, bit as well where the um, the Bucks both um, like went for double super kicks on Keith Lee and like he goes down to like one knee and then he like powers up and then Ricky Starks comes in and he'd hit a triple super kick and then he hit like the Young Bucks pose with Ricky doing his pose in the middle and then double super kick Ricky. Yeah, fucking great. <laughs> there was just it was, it was a match. It was just full of those like awesome little moments, and it, there was so many of them. Like even ones that I'm forgetting about. Like Hobbs hit that frog splash, which looked insane. Oh man, that was good. That was good. Like and, like 
the thing is, uh, Meltzer was saying like the goal of this match was to get Team Taz and Swerve and Glory up to their level, and they fucking they they did it with like a plum. They oh yeah, absolutely nailed it. Like, all three of these teams just so over as well. Like every time there was a near fall, the crowd was super into it. They, they, regardless of who it was, they, they didn't like because the crowd would have been fine with either of any of these teams winning. Telling you, man, the crowd was the cr- part of the crowd were like pretty good that uh, Team Taz didn't win it. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there was that near fall when Starks like made and swerved with the spear. Oh, that spear was ridiculous. And yeah. like, the crowd were like genuinely like you know you know when you, when there's like a really near fall and you feel the crowd like think that's it yeah and like yeah they, that was they were at that stage where they were about to rock I was like fuck there was but, um there was there's a there's a good argument to be made that like you just say that nobody else in wrestling is allowed to use the spear now just let Ricky have it because no one Ricky starts Kyrie saying does a good spear or Kyrie is she just going now. She's been fucking sending people to the shadow realm with a spear and stardom recently. Fair. But Ricky Starks is definitely top tier spear for me. Yeah. Better. Certainly better than Charlotte Flair, like well better. <laughs> <laughs> so um towards the end of the match, they hit Swerve and our glory on I think it's on Nick. Nick Nick is a lot of shit this match, doesn't he? Uh, no, oh Matt. Oh Matt, yeah. And then Ricky, is that when Ricky just appears out of nowhere to the save? And then the um, and, and similarly books hit a BT trigger on Swerve, but then Starks again breaks that up. Yeah, Ricky Starks was doing the Lord's work to break up pins in this match. Yeah, he's just keeping this match alive. So the only thing to do then is pin Ricky Starks. So eventually yeah. Keith Lee does a sort of front flip over the top rope to the outside, wipes well, it the, the, the way the spot worked was fucking awesome. So like um Swerve does the moonsault off Keith's chest onto um, the books and hubs. Which I, I mean, I never get sick of seeing that. That's incredible. So good. Um, and then Ricky Starks and Keith are the only two in the ring. I like Starks is, Starks is kind of like, like signaling for the spear. And as he like runs the ropes up three, three times, as he goes for the spear, Keith pounces him. We yeah. finally get Keith doing the fucking like memeable um, <laughs> and he, he, he sends him like three quarters of the way across the ring as well yeah and then Keith hits a dive onto everyone and as Keith's hitting the dive Swerve hits the uh, the double stomp to pick up the win when you say he hits the double stomp like we have to describe this he literally the way, I know he does it in a, it's very safe and professional but it literally looks like he's jumping onto his face yeah and Ricky sets it up perfectly as well because he like he's sort of he's lying on the floor like selling the the, the pounce and then he just sort of like sort of starts to sit up and like looks and just as he looks up Swerve just like nails him yeah it looks amazing and yeah Swerve pins and Swerve and Keith Lee are the new tag team champions yeah I, I think as I say I, I felt like Team Taz were had an argument to win it but I feel like anyone could have won this and he would have come out looking like, like well, a million bucks like the books could and either yeah. team the teams were already like yeah they're, they're on the fucking level also it was we didn't read it we didn't quite get to it in the news but it turns out that obviously the plans originally for this to be the hardies dropping the belts to keith lee and swerve this is always meant to be the plan the belts are meant to change here to swerve and keith the reason apparently the reason they've been teasing the breakup was to sort of surprise make this more of a surprise yeah 
And even in the match as well, there was a spot, wasn't it? And then in the middle, where there was a, we didn't talk about, there was a ref bump. And Matt had the belt. And Swerve got hold of it. That was awesome. That was such a good bit. Like, the belt was basically, they were playing hot potato with the belt, weren't they? So, like, Matt had it, and then uh, Ricky had it. And then it ended, up, it ended up with Swerve. And he, like, for a second, he looked like he was going to hit Keith with it. Yeah. Oh, no, he's, he's lining up Nick as well, though, isn't he? And, yeah. like... He's next to Keith, and then he looks at Keith, and it was like, "Is he going to hit Keith?" And then he goes, he drops it, and he goes, "I'm going to do it your way," and then just like walks into a super kick, and then gets hit with the belt by Ricky. Yeah, um, yeah, really, really good story. Um, I know they were kind of like, uh, I can't remember. Who, I feel like it might have been Swerve who made the analogy uh, of uh, like Shaq and Kobe. Yeah, in the sense that like they were two star players in the same team, and like they had like the kind of like rivalry where like they didn't like each other, but they just got on with it. It's just about yeah, just about putting up numbers. It's just about like trying to do each other. Yeah, so, um, yeah. That is that is dynamite in the books. Really good episode of dynamite. So, like again, two two like top 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 matches on that show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think what we'll do, just for a little a little special extra treat, we'll throw in some more music here, and then we'll come back and we'll do some rampaging. How about that? Why not? Why not? And we're back. Uh, we'll plow straight into AEW Rampage, and we got right into it. Not even time for spooky entrances. It was spooky perverts versus spooky perverts, as the Kings of the Black Throne defeated the Dark Order, this time represented by John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Do you think we're getting... Well, I say getting actually think we're on the scenic route to getting the Kings of the Black Throne versus um, Swerve Now Glory. I think they're definitely pushing them because they're, 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 it's important here because Alex Reynolds and John Silver are the number four ranked tag team in AW. Yeah, and but at one point, like early in the year, Kings of the Black Throne were like second, weren't they? Yeah, but they never got the shot. Um, they were quite near. Um, so, really fun match this. I mean, I don't think there was any, ever any real significant danger of Kings of the Black Throne losing. They were booked quite strong. One bit I really liked was sort of towards the end of the match where Alex Reynolds and John Silver tried to do their like sort of combination finisher on Brody, which is you know the one where they do like the super kick into the stem and suplex into the sort of super yeah. pin. And they, they, John Silver just couldn't quite get him up for the for the suplex, so they just did the whole thing again, and this time it worked. Yeah, I am. Um... I think they're really, you can tell they're really like high on Brody, can't you? Yeah, they're, they're booking him like a monster. And they should, because he, he is. But, you know. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's not that old, is he? He's, no, he's 30s, is he? I think he's early 30s. You're going to depress me how young he is. I'll have a look now. He is 35. Okay, so mid 30s. Um. So, yeah, he's just coming in kind of into his like peak then, isn't he? Yeah. Um. I, I feel like he's kind of like a guy like sim- similar to uh, Lance Archer in a way that they can kind of have him as like a, a foil for like a world champion. Yeah, because like a- he, he, was an, he was an excellent first opponent for Moxley, wasn't he? Oh, God, yeah. He was, he was perfect. And um, yeah, he, he was great in this match as well. Um, the match ends with Alex Reynolds eating Dante's Inferno, which looked horrendous as always. <laughs> Yeah, Dante's Inferno is an actual like war crime. I love it. 
And then after the match, we had a bit of action as well. So, um, oh man, this this aftermatch, I was as as was the crowd, but I was just like sat there with my jaw on the floor, like what is happening? Yeah, it it was incredible. So as they're walking back up the up the ramp. Darby just appears off the top of the entrance ramp out of nowhere, much like Sting did at um, Forbidden Door, and takes oh, is it? Well, not so much, sorry. And he takes out um, Brody with a dive, and then as that's happening, the key point as well is Malachi's already halfway through the tunnel. Yeah, Malachi's ahead of him, so Malachi comes back down the tunnel to see what's happening, and as he does, Sting comes up the other tunnel, and the two of yeah. them just sort of square the, off. The best thing of it was Malachi turns around like a fucking angry dad. And he's just like walking towards, but like, he's not—he's not in any rush. He's like, "Oh yeah, Brody can handle himself here." Yeah, like, I don't need—I don't need to help Brody here. Um, and like Brody and Darby end up just rolling into the crowd, as and Sting and, and Malachi just like stare each other down from like literally from pretty much from the corner of each tunnel, don't they? Yeah. And the crowd are just like chanting, "Holy shit!" At like this stare down. That's that's something I want to see. Yeah, I I dare say I want that to be a singles match. Yeah, I didn't know I wanted it until right then. But like as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, think, we should if, do this. If anyone, if anyone could do with like the kind of like feather in the cap of being the first person to pin Sting in AEW, it's Malachi. Yeah, because I feel like while I don't feel like he's lost any momentum at all, I do feel like you could do with kind of that little bump. Since he came so, in and beat Cor- and, and beat Cody, he hasn't had like that next level win, has he? Not since beating Cody, no. Um I mean they have kind of like that he has been building the House of Black and then they've been very much entrenched in that feud with their pack and the Lucha Bros. Um and now it looks like he set his sights on Darby and Sting. Um yeah, I, I, the the cool thing as well was like neither man would make the first move, and they both kind of like walk away, and Sting starts walking back towards Malachi, and Malachi just turned around like walk back. It's it's like when you're in um, it's like in a video game or like an action movie when there's like a big battle scene. Yeah, and like the two kind of leaders catch each other's eye across the <laughs> battlefield. That's what it was like. They just sort of see each other like, oh shit! Yeah, it's, it's, it's you've got. It's, it's about to get real. Because you literally had like the chaos of like Brody and Darby brawling right in front of them and those two just locking eyes and like Yeah, just not paying any attention to that at all. Like neither are bothered. They're just like, nope. Malachi. On. Malachi's gonna gonna do a black sick on Sting and turn him into the Joker Sting again. Oh god. We run around with a fucking raven. <laughs> a crow, sorry. <laughs> uh, right, next up then we had Jonathan Gresham defeated Lee Moriarty. Well, well, you just missed something quite key there as well. The Miro promo. Oh, yeah, so when had another mirror promo, uh, again, can't see his left, whole left side of his face in darkness. Can't see what's going on there. Which is and he cool. says, the, the key thing is he said, did you, did you present me the House of Black to test me or for me to join them? He said, did you send them to destroy me or to recruit me? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I would love Miro in the House of Black. Again, things I didn't know I wanted that I now want. <laughs> yeah. Even, right. even if it's like Miro joining the House of Black and then like trying to destroy them from within. Like him and Malachi, like feud, like within the house. Yeah. 
and then just a big old boss fight of Miro and Brody King. I'd be into that. All right, next yeah. up then, um, Jonathan Gresham takes on Lee Moriarty, beats him for the Ring of Honor World Champion. Uh, again, uh, Caprice Coleman on commentary, which is nice to see. Always love to see it. I like how they're just incorporating little bits. Like they have Bobby Cruz doing the ring announcing. They had. Well, Caprice has been doing um, commentary on Dark a little bit. Hasn't he, he has, yeah. I've been watching a bit of Elevation and stuff lately, and yeah, he's uh, he's been he's been in, like, getting in a bit, which he's, is nice. He's he's a fantastic commentator. He's really good. Oh, I was gonna say so fucking underrated. Like yeah. the the um, FTR Briscoes like sit down thing they put on YouTube the other day. That's like moderated by Caprice. Yeah, and he he doesn't kind of like overstate himself. But he, like, he's there when, like, when he when he needs to be kind of involved in the whole thing. He he really like makes the present felt. Yeah, taken away from the wrestlers, which is, I mean, when you've just got to look at fucking Chris Jericho on commentary to realize, how, like, good a guy like Caprice is who can kind of get his points across. While Jericho is just shouting it in shit on the mic. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can get it. Like, he's all, he's also quite like good at just going. Oh yeah, by the way. Yeah, this is this is this. Um, so yeah, Gresham, Gresham obviously working a lot more heel in this match, like he's doing straight up heel shit. He comes out it, with fully Blanchard Enterprises, um, a, a wild uh Brian Cage appears. That visual of Gresham coming out with like the flag and like flanked by Gates of Agony and then Brian Cage behind him, yeah, it looked awesome, didn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, th- this is very, very similar to um. Jonathan Gresham's heel character who used to portray him in, in progress. Yeah. Uh, after he won the progress title by uh, a lot of fuckery. I mean, he did like he did a low blow here. He did. He, he, um, he attacked him straight after the bell, like after the handshake. You know, yeah. he, he was like, yeah, there was all sorts of fuckery. And then towards the end, uh, he actually wins, doesn't he, by stomping on his foot to like distract him and then put him in the octopus hold. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. What was cool about this match was it really felt like Lee Moriarty. And it, it felt like for the last couple of weeks now, since they've done like, this whole thing with Gresham, that, again, Lee Moriarty feels like he might be getting a little bit of a renewed push. Yeah, he, he definitely felt it close to Gresham's level here. It felt like if, if Gresham wasn't like taking the shortcuts and then working heel, that Moriarty might have had an actual chance here. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, this was a really fun match. Uh, the promo Gresham cut after as well. Jonathan Gresham's like promos are so underrated for me. Yeah. Like, man, man can talk in like a way that no one else really can. He reminds me of kind of like Nick Bockwinkle in the way he kind of presents himself. And he's said, very... He said he was the best wrestler in the world. And I mean, you'd be hard to argue with it, wouldn't you? Well, if only there was someone on the roster who could come out and dispute that. I mean, if, if only they had two wrestlers on their roster who were the best in the world, the best wrestler in the world. Unfortunately, they're both injured, so we'll just have to settle for Claudio Castagnoli for now. Who's like the other <laughs> So that's not a bad, uh, that's not a bad thing, is it? So yeah, Claudio comes out, his music hits, and that matches both One. For, for Death Field Design. Uh, sorry to go up. One thing as well that Gresham said, which was very intriguing to me, was um, when he was like, I'm going to be here a lot more now. I'm going to be here every week. I'm going to be showing up the guys that you love. Well, then he show, said, like, he said that he, the reason that he ended up with Tully is because he was sat at home. He signed his contract and he wasn't getting on TV. So basically, in, in storyline, he, he got in touch with Tully and Tully's got him on TV originally. Yeah. 
Not nothing to do with the fact that you just went on and made a tour of Europe. No. Uh, oh, shit. So it's got a notification that UK temperature has passed 40 degrees C in parts of the country. Yeah. It's 41 somewhere else, I saw. Oh, God. Let's, uh, let's, I thought, let's, let's move on before there's all the water in my body leaves it. Uh, yeah. We have Chris, Chris Statlander and Athena versus the Renegade Twins. This is a squash match. Um, they won fairly easily. Then Jay Cargill, Kira Hogan came out and beat the crap out of them. I love I love the way people are selling the, the what was called the Eclipse. I don't know what she's calling it at the moment. It's called the, the O-Face now. The what? The O-Face. O-Face. Okay. Tomorrow twice she called it on the Indies as well before uh, she's time to do it. All right. All right. I'll, I'll let her off then. And it's, um, a, it's a terrible name, but hey. Um, yeah, I love I love the way people are selling it though. Like in in um, WWE, they, they were obviously doing the kind of like traditional stunner sell. Yeah. In this, they're like literally like face planting every time. Yeah, I think it's exploding. It's great. Yeah. Uh, another little bit of intrigue after that. Um, Stokely Hathaway interrupts Lee Moriarty's interview and basically tries to sign him. Yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, it was interesting in the sense that Stokely was like, ah, oh, Lee, this year you've wrestled Brian Danielson, you've wrestled uh, CM Punk. That's some of the greats. You lost them all. <laughs> yeah. Um, just the way he said that. And then Matt Seidel, when he's like, I've got a great opportunity for you. Dante Martin again. Yay. <laughs> I mean, that match will bang, but still. But I've definitely got a lot more intrigue in a potentially heel Lee Moriarty. Yeah. Because he seemed a lot more like driven and a lot more vicious than like kind of he previously like we've seen like kind of we've previously seen like usually when he comes out dancing and all that he didn't when in the Gresham match he just walked out very stoically looking like he had a fucking axe to grind and a point to prove. Yeah. Um and I I think Lee Moriarty is re- like a really good talker as well. Let's, oh yeah, let's, he's, like, he's, he's like, super underrated in, in yeah. that respect. He's he's a guy who I think give him a couple of years and he'll be like we'll be talking about him like we talk about to catch now. All right, let's move on because I want to get to what was my favorite part of the entire show. Okay, which was the Gun Club explaining their actions. Yes. Uh, so basically, the, the, the best quote from from Billy Gunn said, "It just comes a time when Daddy Ass has to drop the hammer." When he was just when he said, um, "What about it? One more time, roll my time sake. Scissor me, Daddy Ass." Yeah, got his head kicked in. Um, um, so the important thing to note here: the acclaimed okay. when the acclaimed music hit, they come out of the huge pop. They come out the face tunnel. I, I noticed that I fucking popped like crazy when they come out the face tunnel. <laughs> I mean, they are. This is their face turn now, and it they're, they're, they're here. Yeah, I mean, the most baby face thing that um, the most baby face thing that like Max Caster did was finally release the acclaimed entrance music. Yeah, <laughs> that was people, that was their people. official face turn right then. When yeah, happened. people have been asking for a phrase like I've never released it. Um, but yeah, Max Caster then. So they beat up the, the uh, they beat up the gun club and get rid of the game out of the ring. Max Caster cuts a rap with no music, just like freestyling. Yeah, which is pretty nice. Um, and then uh, they basically say they want a match, and the gun club basically say no, they're not going to do it. 
So yeah. in, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the build of this. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really invested. Do you think in, they're going to drag this out to all out? I feel like they might. They could do, yeah, because the, the goal club can just be shit houses, can't they, all the way through. Even, just if, refuse to even if it's on the buy-in, it's like really good exposure for both teams. Give me, again, I, t- I called it out the other week, give me the, the whole goal club, all three of them, versus the acclaimed and Dan House. I was literally about to say that. Like, that's that's the perfect fucking storm of what and you need. When the gun club lose, they have to adopt Billy Ass and the Ass Boys as they know entrance music. And all have Dan House and and the, and the acclaim come out to Billy <laughs> As long as we hear it again, that's up fine. Regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Right then, we'll crack on to the main event. was um, Private Party versus the Lucha Bros. The Lucha Bros picked up the win. Um, not the longest match, like nine minutes, nine nine-ish minutes. Didn't didn't overstay as welcome, but it just they got all the shit in, didn't they? Yeah, it was pretty much just the Lucha Bros, um, thwarting the faction in Gobernable. Um So like every time, and Andrade and uh, the private party kept going for Pence's mask. Uh, Roosh tried to get involved, and it backfires. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Really, really fun match. I mean, private parties remind us that they can still really go. Like, the good thing is, like, when you've got like the Lucha Bros, Private Party, Young Bucks, all these like sort of flippy, quite quick tag teams, even like uh, Andrade and Roosh. Yeah. Like, they, they can all just click together so seamlessly because they wrestle such a similar style and they've got great chemistry because they, they know each other really well now because they've been doing it for a few years. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it, 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 I mean, it's it's mad that we're just sort of like dismissing this match as like, oh yeah, just another one of these tag team matches. But it was, it was actually, if you break it down and look at it, it was really, 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 really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they go with Private Party because I feel like, Especially given BT this week, where they were doing, oh yeah, Mahardy ruined the career thing. Yeah, they, they did like a little Mahardy redemption angle. Then they where he like sort of made amend, tried to make amends with the private party for for like derailing them. Yeah, um, I, I really think private parties should be like in a better position than they are, based off the start. Yeah, I mean they're, they're still real young. Don't forget, of all the tag teams we've listed, they're, yeah, they're the youngest. Well, top flight. Well, I mean, out of all the ones that I just, I just ran yeah. down then. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd just quite like to see um, Private Party do a little bit more. Okay, at their time. I'm sure. They will. They will. Uh, um, right. That wraps us up for AW. So, what we'll do, yeah. we'll take one final break. We'll hit you with a. If you're on Jacks, and if you're not on Jacks, get on Jacks. Listen to some Jacks Radio because they, they're banging. Um, we'll hit you with some music. We'll have a bit of Audio Slave and a bit of Funeral for a Friend, I think. And then we'll come back and we'll recap what's been going on in the rest of the wrestling world. And we're back. Uh, time for our final segment, a little roundup of what's been going on in the rest of the wrestling world. Uh, seems we, seems we unceremoniously hoofed it away from the AW section. Jay, should we start with some Ring of Honor? Yeah, so there's two little bits of Ring of Honor stuff that I've picked up. Um, first off, Ring of Honor are currently revamping Honor Club, um, which was their kind of streaming service, uh, with enhanced elements and functionality. Uh, during the ongoing transformation, there'll be a pause on accepting new memberships, current memberships, as of July the 16th will be extended at no additional cost until the refreshed Honor Club platform is launched in early fall 2022. Fans will be able to subscribe to Honor Club for a monthly fee of $9.99. New Honor Club content will become available 60 days after the events happen live. 
Oh, so that, that beautiful moment where we both managed to get um, Supercard of Honor for free on Honor Club, <laughs> that's gone now. Yeah. That being said, we can still get on fight with like fight credits. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still, it's, it's um, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, because it was, there was like a sort of, it felt like a weird loophole that we were able to subscribe for like a monthly fee and just get the, it actually loaded on fight for me because it was linked in together. Uh, yeah. I was able to just get a free fight show basically. Um, yeah, I mean, on a club, still, it's still good value if you consider like the, the back catalog and sort of. Yeah. Eddie Kingston versus fucking anyone from Ring of Honor would be nice. Uh, or alternatively, just any of like Kevin Steen's work. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of on a club, should we uh, particularly Ring of Honor? Should we run down the difficulties on a card? Absolutely. Uh, only five matches announced so far. I assume they're going to announce more on. I mean, they're, they're literally all title matches, aren't they? Like every title has been defended. Yeah, I, I get the impression they're probably going to announce like a couple more. They, they did them, did like a couple of open challenges and stuff like that, didn't they? And announced stuff on the day. Yeah. Uh, for uh, Supercard. I, I doubt it's going to be these five. I think they're going to obviously. Don't forget, though, Supercard was on WrestleMania weekend. So there was a lot of people in town for that. So they could pull a lot of guys out of nowhere, couldn't they? Yeah, but also. It's just a random Saturday. There's not no uh, GCW shows. Um, so, so there's there's no restrictions basically. So anything could happen. Yeah, they've they've got the AEW roster, mate. They can just bring whoever over. Um, so yeah, the Ring of Honor Women's Cha- World Championship: Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb. Who you got for that? Uh, I think Serena. I think Serena. Uh, ROH TV Championship: Joe is going to kill Jay Lethal. Really yeah. I've got the fear they're going to put on Luther, but I've, I've, nah, I've, I've, Joe should win, really. Joe's going to kill him. Uh, ROH Tag Team Championship, two out of three falls match. Uh, the sequel to the match of the year so far. FTR versus the Briscoes. I think FTR retain. Yeah, I mean, the real winner is anybody who watches it, but <laughs> yeah. I think I think FTR are going to come out on top there. Uh, ROH Pure Championship, Wheelie Utah versus Daniel Garcia. Utah. Ooh, I... Potentially Garcia. Okay. And then another one which might split us. ROH World Championship, Jonathan Gresham versus Claudio. And that could go either way. Um, I think if Utah loses, I think Claudio wins. I think Claudio, they're booking stupidly strong for a reason. Yeah. I think if Utah loses, Claudio wins to keep a bit of gold in DCC. Yeah. Also, the logic behind this, as much as I really really want Jonathan Gresham to hold that belt for a long last time. Um, the logic behind Claudio, kind of like an ex-WWE guy, a guy who's a recognisable face, being kind of like the flag bearer for Ring of Honor's relaunch, makes a shit ton of sense. Yeah. Same, same as like when AEW launched, they had Jericho as the first champion, even though like they could have put it on Hangman right there and then. Yeah. It, uh... it gets more eyes on the product if there's a familiar face as the champion. Yeah, plus Claudio will be on AWTV a lot more with BCC holding the belt and whatnot. But, uh... Yeah. Right, should we move on to some New Japan bits and bobs, Jay? Yeah, go on. Uh, so New Japan Pro Wrestling announced that a Forbidden Door documentary will be coming soon to New Japan Pro Wrestling World. No further details, such a mid-date has been announced, although they have released a trailer. So it's just going to be like about the sort of backstage and like the build-up to the, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Or... I, I'd like... I, well, it looked like uh, on the thing, it's like Jay... Jay White arriving at the building and looking around and so yeah, 
I'd like it to be a little bit more behind the scenes, like almost like kind of how they got to that point. Yeah, how how like the the negotiations came about, how it was originally because put together, and yeah, it, it it did. I mean, it was there was a massive political shift within New Japan to allow football to start rolling on that. So yeah. very interesting to see. Also, how they present it because usually they're quite they're very um like sort of um respectful of like people who have been within the company prior and left. So yeah. whether they kind of like point out the fact that Harold Harold Mike kind of got a bit too big for his boots and was like, oh fuck those guys. Um, right, we're gonna have to speed through a bit now to run out of time. Um, we'll yeah. preview Music City Mayhem, um, New Japan Strong. This card um, is pretty good. So we've got a no DQ match: John Moxley versus El Desperado. Let's go fuck. Uh, Davy Richards versus Clark Connors. That'll be good. Yeah, uh, Blake Christian versus Hiromu Takahashi. That'll be stupid. Uh, War Horse is also wrestling Takahashi while he's over as well. He is. Uh, in an ODQ yeah, match, yeah. Yuta Umara, Fred Yehi, and Shota um- Shuta Umino versus Renarita, the DKC, and Kevin Knight. That'll be fun. We'll I mean, this, is, this is the one I want to see. FTR and Alex Zane versus TJP and Aussie Open. Yeah, minus TJP. Yeah, well, you know, he's just do flippy shit. Uh, the time splitters collide. Kushida versus Alex Shelley. Sad time splitters noises. And for the title, Fred Rosso versus Big Damo. That'll be fun. That'll, that'll fuck, won't it? <laughs> Absolutely fuck. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, before we move on from New Japan, just quickly, I want to bring up two of the G1 matches that I've seen so far that I thought were really good and people should check out. Uh, yeah. That was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kenta, which I thought was excellent. I've heard that was banging. And Will Ospreay versus El Fantasma. Gasp. Yeah. Uh, they were both fantastic. Uh, fantastic matches. Make sure you check. I mean, they're all good. All the G1 matches so far have been good. And they're on the one. Make sure you check them all out. Yeah. Uh, I, I, know, I know Yano beat Jonah by absolute fuckery, didn't he? Yeah, that was, that was upsetting. <laughs> you love to see it. Watching um, Jonah's little hot leg trying to carry him back to the ring in time. Uh, right, let's... Uh, some GCW yeah. news, please, Jay. Yes, so GCW made an announcement on their Twitter account that um, a popular North American-based promotion is headed back to Japan this fall. Although details are currently few and far between, the company is set to hold three events over the course of a week between the 27th of September and October 4th. This will be the company's second international outing to Japan in their short history. Speaking um, of international outings, that's just after they've been to Liverpool. It is. It is. And speaking of Liverpool, they announced uh, that alongside Blake Christian, Ali Catch, Effie, John Wayne Murdoch, Alex Cologne, and Joey Janela, now Cole Radrick is going to be there as well. The Raddy Daddy himself. Also, don't forget, um, Matt Cardona's on that as well. Yes, he is. Um, yeah, Cole, Cole Radrick, for anyone who hasn't seen him, he can both. Really, really good technical wrestler, but he can do all the deathmatch stuff like a lunatic as well. Just to go to go Batista on here. Yeah, give me what I want. You know what I want. That's my stuff. No, announce Grim Reaver. No, thank you. <laughs> um, right. Uh, should we? Do you want me to do progress and you do TNT? Or yeah, man, let's blow blow through these. So we've got some big uh, UK shows coming up in the next week or After so. This week. Uh, so on Sunday, the twenty fourth of July, Progress presents twenty four seven. We've been running down what's been happening. Been a couple of changes to the card. Um, 
So Progress Tag Team Champions, uh, Sunshine Machine, my boys, defend the belts against Leon Slater and Ricky Knight Jr. Um, we've got a women's tag team tag, uh, tag team match. Lon Roston and friend of the podcast, Eliza Alexander versus Raven Creed and Alexis Falcon. Can't wait um, for that. Love, love all four of those women. That's going to be a great match. Yeah. Uh, we've got the Thunder Bastard match. Man Like Therese versus Gene Money versus Dan Maloney versus Spike Trevay versus Danny Black versus Kid Lycos versus Robbie X versus Axel Tisha. Um, the winner of that match gets a shot at the uh, winner of the World Championship match. Basically, the rules are similar to, similar to a Rumble match, only there's eight guys eliminate by pinfall or submission and uh, an entrant every three minutes. Oh, so it's, it's, so it's Aztec Warfare? Yes, essentially it's Aztec Warfare. Um, but they were doing it before Aztec Warfare. Yeah, but there's no there's no Jeff Cobb in a mask that could murder everybody. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> we've we've got we've got G money there doing G money things. That's all we need. Um, Swerve Strickland versus Nick Wayne in a rematch from their Defy Classic. That will fuck. Yeah, it's gonna bang. And in the main event, the Progress World Championship, Chris Ridgeway, the most evil man in Progress. That's not Spike Trevay. He just likes to kick people really hard. Will defend against Dean Allmark in the third the rubber match of their trilogy. Yeah, two guys from and around the Liverpool area as well, uh, doing yeah. up scouts things. I can't wait for that. Yeah, Chris Ridgeway is going to kick the shit out of Dino. It's going to be so sad. Uh, speaking of um, Liverpool things, moving on to TNT Extreme Wrestling. They have a show this week in Liverpool at Camp of Furnace. It's on Thursday. Uh, if you're able to get there, you're going to see some good stuff. First of all, we have the, the rematch the world has been waiting for. Gene Money versus Scotty Too Hotty, round two. Oh. Can't wait. I'll be, I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a five-star classic, but it was fun as hell last time. It really was. Oh, it was one of the most fun I've had watching a wrestle match this year. Then we have the um, the Project X tournament, basically, which determines a new um, number one contender for the, X, the Ultimate X, Ultimate X Champion. So we have in the qualifying matches Kid Lycos Two versus Nico Angelo, Joe Lando versus Maverick Mayhew, Leon Slater versus Callum Newman. I've just realised I put Joe Lando and Maverick Mayhew in there twice by mistake. Yes. Danny Black versus Man Like Therese. Danny Black versus Man Like Therese. So a lot of the guys from um, from the Thunder Bastard match, actually. Um, yeah. Also, um, what's interesting is Kid Lycos 2 and Nico Angelo are both members of Lycos Gym. Yeah. So uh, a, little, a little friendly competition there. Yeah. Joe Lando and Maverick Mayhew are both members of Close Personal Friends. And Leon Slater and Therese and Callum Newman and Danny Black are both members of the 0121 and um, close personal friends, respect, respectively. So faction warfare there. Uh, so yeah. the, the winners oh. of those, the winners of all those matches go into a four-man, what they call a Project X match, which is basically Ultimate X from uh, TNT. If you remember that, TNA. TNA, sorry. Uh, so that's where they've got the scaffolding with the ropes, and then there's the prize. It's like a ladder match, but there's no ladder. You have to like climb across the ropes to get the, the thing in the middle. It's gonna be fucking silly. Who do you think's gonna win that? Oh, I mean, I'd love, I, to see, I'd love to see Callum Newman win it. I'm big on him. I was gonna say, I'd like to see Callum Newman win it. I feel like he's having a really good year. So is Danny Black. And, I mean, Doris as well. Like, Doris. Doris is the guy who's. Probably the favourite because strap, strap up 0121. You've already got Driller as the world champion. So yeah, yeah, but you could you could also have the recently on Slater win the tag titles. 
Uh, and then almost like a bit of an afterthought after that madness, you've got the Ultra X Championship match, which is Mark Haskins in a triple defending in a triple threat against Robbie X and Scotty Rock. That's going to be that's going to be several shades of flippy, isn't it? <laughs> let's let's face it. Bonkers. It's really watching uh, pinball except with people. Or also one thing to be noted as well is that um, TNT are heavily teasing. It's going to be a couple of surprises at the show. Yeah, well, not, that's all they've announced, isn't it? And like, that's not probably enough. Yeah, they've announced um, Leighton Buzzard versus LJ Cleary on the pre-show as well. Yeah. Extreme VIP ticket holders. Um, actually, I believe there are tickets available. I think it's £40 for Extreme VIP or 25 for just standard. Standard, yeah. Um, you do get to see LJ Cleary doing the Lord's work as a shit bag heel. Oh, he's so good. He's fucking great. He's gonna he's gonna die by Pax hand soon. Imagine like long haired Irish MJF and you're kinda of halfway there. Yeah, pretty much. Um <laughs> yeah, um they've been teasing a lot of surprises, they've been hyping up a lot of X, like former Project X participants, including the likes of, but not limited to Joe Gacy, uh, Speedball Mike Bailey, um Ace Austin. Um quite <laughs> Quite a few others that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, it, it's set to be a really good event. We'll be there, won't we? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it should be quite wonderful. Sound right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for our hybrid news slash AW show. Uh, we're going to be doing a few of these over the next few weeks because we're a little bit depleted on manpower. So we're going to be combining two of our normal podcasts into one. Yeah. Hopefully this uh, this tickled all your fancies. Um, yeah, we'll see you all if you haven't melted, if we haven't melted, if the world hasn't melted uh, next week for some more. We're going to play you out appropriately with Sunburn by Muse. So enjoy yeah. that. I tried to limit like the, the hot songs to the beginning and the end. I didn't want to do too many of them. So, yeah. <laughs> so enjoy that. We'll see you all later. Take care. I mean, you did have gasoline by audio slave. I mean, yeah, that, that was thematically sort of there. <laughs> see you all next week. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, yes, Danhausen here. Danhausen has been summoned. You must love this podcast housing, the Untitled Wrestling Podcast housing. <laughs>